Potter Who Cast. Hello and welcome to Potter Who Cast, where we talk about every episode of Doctor Who, Torchwood, K9, Sarah Jane Adventures, Class, everything else in broadcast order. I'm David, and with me as always is... I am Michelle, and I am a good dot leg. Oh my... <laughs> Leave that on for the rest of the thing, they'll, they'll love it. Um, Let us talk about the greatest episode of Doctor Who, Dalek, Dalek, Dalek. Can you do the Nick Briggs, uh, hello or not? Hold on, I have to record it. (laughs) It's not an automatic. (laughs) And here is I thinking. Here we go, here we go. Uh, thank you, uh, Dalek Voice Changer, on the Android App Store. Uh, we do have fun. Um, what yeah, a fun voice to do, is, right? What a fun voice to do. It is very fun. Um, probably one of the funnest things to do. As well, uh, Speaking of fun, today we're talking about Series 1, Episode 6, Dalek, written by Rob Cheerman, directed by Joe O'Hearn. Um, so, let's get into that. Uh, broadcast, 30th of April, 2005. Uh, Robert Shearman is an interesting character. Uh, this is the only TV, only TV episode he writes for the show. Uh, he's written the, the, the best early Big Finish are mostly his. Chimes at Midnight, Jubilee, which is his based on, and the one with Frobisher, which I can't remember what it's called now. But Chimes at Midnight, if you haven't heard it, I would recommend it's on Spotify in full. And it's an absolute bop, as they say. Um, he's also written short stories. He's written... He wrote this kind of, couple of non-fiction kind of episode-by-episode guides to, I think it was New Who, it might have been Classic Who as well, um, with Toby Haydock, who's another kind of big behind-the-scenes guy. Excuse me. Uh, he also wrote a comic for Doctor Who magazine with Rose and the Ninth Doctor called uh, The Cruel Sea. And he writes his own novels now, which is what he does, mostly. Written by Joe O'Hearn, who also directed Father's Day, uh, Boomtown, and the finale. So he's the Dalek guy for this series. Uh... Interestingly enough, also wrote the film Trance, directed by Danny Boyle, which caught me by surprise this morning. That's the Rosario Dawson one, I think. Uh-huh. Yeah, which has, yeah. Anyway, before Danny we... Danny Boyle. He's always yeah. circling Doctor Who, but never <laughs> fully in Doctor Who. Uh, they should get Danny Boyle in. Forget Peter Jackson, get Danny Boyle in to do something. Dalek. Then Danny Boyle. Dalek. Okay, five, five key points. Um, if you think about it, there's a K and Dalek as well as key. So, you know, if you're doing like a cross stick, you could, you could do like Dalek and I have the key coming down from the K. So it would say like Dalek A. Anyway, uh, point one, Doctor and Rose track a distress signal to a private vault of Henry Van Staten in 2012. Uh, they, they're captured and the Doctor is asked to speak to the Metaltron, which is his only living specimen in this Vault. Point two, the Doctor realises that the Metatron is a Dalek, his arch-nemesis, who fell out of time into the Ascension Isles. 
and the Doctor responds to it by trying to kill it after this kind of goading match between the both of them. Uh, point three, Rose and Adam, a research assistant to Van Staten, uh, talk to the Dalek, which begs for pity. Rose touches it, and that rejuvenates it with her DNA. It breaks out. It systematically kind of kills everyone and then takes her hostage. Point four, the Doctor gets a gun and intends to hurt the Dalek, who is questioning its motives and its entire existence. Uh, the Doctor tracks it down and gets very emotional. Rose tells him off, tells him, you can't do this. Uh, the Dalek opens its casing up, it feels the sunlight, and then kills itself. Uh, point five, Van Satin's memories wiped, the vault is filled with concrete, and the Doctor, Rose, and Adam go off on an adventure. And that is the recount. Uh, actually, no, the recount was Jay Roach in 2000 <laughs> for you HBO. Hope. Thank you. Thank you for making that joke. I was like... Mm, is he gonna do it? <laughs> um, I think this episode is what well, it's amazing. I did something interesting for this one. Instead of rewatching it by myself, I watched it with someone who has seen minimal Doctor Who. Like they know what Doctor Who is through, through like pop culture osmosis, but they don't like watch Doctor Who. They don't really know. Um, I'm surprised not just how much this worked. But how much this episode is specifically designed for that kind of person? Because I was thinking about this. Like, if you if you were watching Doctor Who in 2005, you know, you're watching the revised series. You've never seen the classic Who. You've never seen Big Finish. You kind of maybe, maybe you don't even know that there have been previous seasons. Like, there aren't a lot of references to previous seasons up until this point. You know, you the Doctor says, I'm an alien from Gallifrey. My planet died. But that's so you could imagine that Doctor Who is a show that premiered in 2005 for the first time ever and, you know, still works. Um, but this episode is the first one that hints that there have been 26 seasons of television before this. Or is it 25? It's 24, I think. Oh, tw- there have been like 20 <laughs> plus seasons of television before this. It's the first one that hints. I mean, you could still watch this one and believe that like, oh, you know, it's just... You, this is the first time we're ever seeing the Daleks, and it still works like that, but the it it feels so alive. It feels like such a continuation of the previous show. I imagine, like, was there a worry back then when this whole thing was premiering that they were never going to reference Classic Who? I couldn't tell you, but I'd say if, it, if there was, it would be the fans who would be like, oh, this will be a whole new reboot. But I was, how old was I? 2005 I was eight and all I could I was concerned with eight years old was how cool the Dalek was when the shot people and also the Dalek uh flash game on the BBC website so I, I'd say there probably was some kind of worry that it would just completely like shine over everything mm-hmm. that came before it. um I think personally that every other Dalek episode after this is trying to recapture what this one does and well the finale I think is good but I think every kind of Dalek episode after this including series 2 tries and fails to return to this kind of primal Dalek presentation right I feel like the thing thing is you know whenever you get into Doctor Who there's always a moment where someone tells you that the Daleks are scary. 
And any new fan of Doctor Who goes through the same re- reaction. They go, you know, no, you are shitting me. You cannot tell me that these <laughs> walking salt and pepper shakers with plungers sticking out of them are scary. And Dalek sort of serves to address all of the complaints that any sensible person watching Doctor Who for the first time would be would have. Like, just go up the stairs. They can't go upstairs. What are you going to do with the plunger? Sucker me. You know, all of those complaints. It addresses them beat by beat by beat by beat by beat by beat by beat. And it makes them scary. The problem with that is it's the slasher villain problem. You know, the slasher movie problem. After Nightmare on Elstream 1, you can't have Freddy do the same thing and hope he'll be just as scary. You need him to do more things. And so I feel like the fear from the Daleks after this episode needs to come from the number and from their complete lack of empathy, you know? Anytime you try to do what happened in this episode, which is like a single Dalek or you have Daleks in corridors shooting at people, you're just going to run into the problem of like, it's just going to look silly, which is why I always think that like, they really should invest more into into numbers, you know? That's why I kind of like Asylum of the Daleks. Uh, I, I thought it was an interesting take on it because it's like there's what are Daleks scared of? It's 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 not so much about the Daleks as it is about a world the Daleks created, and the actual asylum was kind of scary. You know, anytime they try to replicate the feelings that Dalek gave me, it just comes across as kind of shinsy and fake. Yeah, especially when like I get it because like the iconography for the entire kind of Dalek stuff is set like in this like the um everything like the scene where he first sees a dalek the scene where um daleks in the corridor and the soldiers come from both sides and it just takes them out completely um even like the stair scene which i think is was one of the best scenes like when like when i was watching i started clapping because it was just like it's such a great scene yeah it's such Um, a great joke too it's like Because it's like it's off. Everyone has made this joke. It's one of those moments where, like, what are you going? He's useless. <laughs> he can't go upstairs. And then he just goes elevate. It's just like as well how like it takes its time to psych them out and goes like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a second to think that like, you're gonna win this, and then it comes up, and like the electrocution scene as well where it turns the sprinklers on. Um, like all that stuff comes up in like like resolution, like the. The scene, there's a scene resolution that completely mirrors the shootout scene, at least. I think it always just feels like, as you said, like kind of, it's like, are you really, are you really doing this? You know, are you really like trying you know to just. You know what, real quick. I, <clears throat> sorry about that. Real quick. I will give resolution this. When the Dalek is stuck to the back of that lady, it is frightening, you know? That part is actually scary. When the Dalek gets its own body and all that, I think it kind of like. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it doesn't help as well that the new the new Dalek design is just not great. But like, I think what this does this does so well, like even beyond setting up like Dalek iconography, is immediately explain this is why the Doctor hates them. This is why they're always going to fight. This is why everyone is scared of them. And I think it just uh, does that job so well. And so succinct that right. I, f- I fear what would have happened if, as we'll get to later on, uh, they didn't get permission to use them. Because I feel like if they, if they don't, then this episode 
And I say this because exclusive alert, well, half exclusive alert, I have with me here pages from the script when the Daleks weren't in the episode. And spoiler for them, not as good, <laughs> just based on, right. on this brief scan. Right. Um, I feel like it's because, you know, you can't, I wish there was a word for this, but the idea of salt and pepper shakers with plungers coming out of them, screaming, exterminate, exterminate, could only have been made in the 60s. And if it had been made any time else, before after the 60s, it would have been forgotten immediately. But because it was made in the 60s, the Daleks still work to this day, but also nobody can do that, you know? You you can't have anyone else do that same style of, like, slow-moving... And upside down trash bins with stalkers sticking out of them. You can't do that. And that's why whenever somebody does something like that, it just comes across as a parody to the Daleks, you know? It just comes across as like, a, oh, you're just doing a, a, a take on the Daleks. You're not doing something in that vein. You're just doing your version of the Daleks. And so I think the story wouldn't have worked with any other, <laughs> any other villain, you know? It just wouldn't. It, it would be like, it just seems like you wanted to do Daleks and you couldn't have, and then they would have been like, yeah, actually, that is actually what happened. I will say in terms of non-Dalek elements, um, Corey Johnson as Van Staten, I think, is good. He's um, he's a weird kind of presence. He's been in, like, he's in stuff like Saving Private Ryan and Hellboy and Kick-Ass and Ex Machina and all kind of stuff. But like he, like he's kind of he's got a re- a very weird presence I think works here, and I will also say because next week you will next week we talk about Bruno Langley a lot more because that's his episode. Ugh. I think he's I don't I think he's okay here. I think he's good. I think he's directed very well here compared to next week where he's kind of just not well, doing. Well, anything let me just say something. Let most. me just say something. What made the doctor be like take at it? Like, what did he see in it? Really? This is the guy you f- you saw something in? This guy? Doctor, come well, on. I mean, I think it's more... I think it, uh, it's kind of a mix of the earlier drafts. Um, uh, going back to the exclusive I have here. The earlier drafts kind of have him as a more, more kind of prominent figure in the episode. So it feels kind of like a, uh, like a hang-on from whatever other draft. And also because I think it's kind of easy to be like, oh yeah, you know, we could do, what we could do next week is we could do this story about what if a companion messed up, and we have this guy here who's free, we can throw him in and bring him into things, and then make sure he gives the worst performance we would ever have. Well, you know, Stephen Burkoff in a couple of years is probably worse, but that's because he's a little stinker. Will I? Should I spring this? We talk spheres because I think. The, a big component of this, a big proponent of this story is that the Daleks are such a great force and they're so, like, it's such an iconic thing. But at one point, they couldn't use the Daleks. And actually, I read, because it's, this is from, let me check. This is from Doctor Who magazine, issue 449, which was released in 2012. So Ooh. almost, almost 10 years old. Um, and there's a big feature on Robert Schumann's 12 drafts of the episode Dalek. And at one point, he talks about how in draft six, he had to replace the Daleks with the spheres because the nation state were saying you can't use the Daleks or they're, they're taking so long. 
Um, what I found interesting is that he talks about going to RTD's house and first and foremost open the door and there being a Dalek in the hallway because Russell T. Davis owns a life-size Dalek. Um, but <laughs> also, he's, also he said that um, he, like when he went in, Russell said, this is from Series 3, but we're bringing it forward, which is the Toclophane from Series 3, which just goes to show you how far ahead he had planned in wow. 2003. That he that he had all that planned out. Um, the spheres are different to the Daleks in the sense that they are meant to be like as Toclophane are childlike, which means you have dialogue like um, sphere. Do I frighten you, Doctor? Doctor in uh, brackets softly. No, sphere. No need for lies. Two friends like us. I can hear your hearts racing. Pat a pat. Pat a pat. Which Daleks wouldn't say that. Right. Um, he is also the thing that he said that the spheres is that the spheres were going to be like, they're going to kill someone and be like, oh, I'm having so much fun killing people. Isn't this so great? Which is just a. Uh, it's embarrassing. Yeah. Uh, sphere. Records giggling. No, you're right. I will kill them. But I'll make their deaths a lot less painful if you just get on your knees like the rest of your race did. Uh, frightened old men screaming in terror, do the same for me now. <sighs> Those fears. But I'll give you this. I'll give you this. I could see this working. In this story, uh, yeah. probably not. Maybe. He um he says that like one of the big problems is that it's just a sphere. So when you're having like all these moments it's just a a sphere flying around and also that a lot of the scenes um he had the problem he had the problem with trying to emotionally get rose and the sphere to connect interact yeah, that's the problem that's that's also what yeah. i was thinking because like you know once you get into that whole rose part of the sto- of the plot you really don't get a lot of it if it's a sphere you know i, I will say this yeah. This could work. I feel like that's an area we haven't explored as much, which is the doctor facing off against an enemy who... It's not that they don't listen to reason, it's that their reason is a lack of reason. You know? Yeah. Although I might be saying this... Maybe there is. Someone is probably yelling at their at their podcast, be like, you idiot, you <laughs> forgot... <laughs> The Vampires of Venice. It's like no. Did you not read the wiki? Did you not read the wiki? The wiki is where it says. <laughs> I do think that, like, I don't think it's. I do think that, like, you know, that could be an interesting talk about of having yeah. a character uh, who knows that what they're doing is fucked up. They just don't care. You know, they really don't. They actually are having a lot of fun doing this fucked up stuff. That could be interesting. But I guess the cat. I guess the villain Rosa is kind of. He knows no, that he's no, missing time. No. Yeah. Don't stop. <laughs> I want you to stop right there. You just almost said, you just almost referred to the story Rosa without asking the obvious questions like, why did a British guy thought it was smart to write a story about an American <laughs> civil rights icon? Why is the villain space racism? <laughs> like, it's kind uh, of it. Whatever, Rosa. Yeah. Stay tuned. Twenty thirty two. We'll talk about it. I just want to talk as well about how because uh, Sherman has like a lot of journal entries and kind of anecdotes in this feature, and he says 
Um, he he we sat. This is him talking about him and Russell D Davis meeting over the fact they couldn't use a Dalek. We sat down. And he said, "Okay, I've got a monster for you," and he drew me a circle and put a bit of shading to make it 3D, which I find just like him like, "Okay, come on, hey, sit down." I'm, I'm he were, he went up to the chalkboard, wrote "alien," and then drew <laughs> yeah. aliens, and, and, and then drew yeah, and, and, Astra. Astra. <laughs> and everyone just, like. Yeah. He's like, it's a circle. Come on. Um, it seems like like that there was just that draft and then next draft talks are back in and all that. There's also a mention of Adam being the TARDIS before he was at, in the TARDIS at the end of the thing as well in earlier drafts, which seems a bit weird. I Yeah, I think it's just... What can you say about the episode that isn't just it's great? Because it, I, it, I, mean, I, could, I will say, I'll tell you what you can say. You can imagine a world where they did get the Daleks, but only on a cameo role. So you just imagine a, 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 the doctor running away from the sphere, and a Dalek just shows up and goes, like, Doctor, it is I, a Dalek, here to warn you about the sphere. The sphere. <laughs> oh. God, that voice is so much fun to do. Bless whoever came up with that voice. Like, bless you, God. What a fun... Like, it's, just, it's just fun. It's just a really good... This is something that Doctor Who really gets, which is that the villains need to have fun voice. Like, yeah. they fucked it up with the Cyberman where they were like, delete that bullshit. We're going to get into that next season. But God, the Daleks have such good voices. It's just like, the way... <laughs> Do not blaspheme. Do not blaspheme. I, I say that to myself sometimes when someone says something stupid. I just go, do not blaspheme. It's <laughs> it's so funny. Oh. I just love it. Sorry. I love Daleks. <laughs> Daleks are good. So um, this story was based part. in a Big Finish audio story, right? Yes. I have I have listened to it. It's called Jubilee. I listened to it two years ago, so I'm kind of sketching the memories. But Jubilee is another one, like Chance of Midnight. I think it's on Spotify as well. That's worth listening to. Um, it's set in like an alternate timeline where there was a, a, a Dalek war in 1903. And so Britain's now an empire with, I think, it's some like weird thing with the Daleks. And the Doctor is like caught up in the time loop where he gets trapped in the Tower of London. And something really, really messed up happens to him. And it's very harrowing but i would recommend listening to that and chance at midnight chance um, at midnight midnight yeah. is the orson welles one right chance of, yes it's uh it's actually called foul stuff i think you'll find and uh he went back in time to 1966 and wrote that one chance at midnight is this really creepy also it's it, if you like the unquiet dead you'll probably like chance of midnight Ooh. it's like uh it's like a ghost story set at Christmas that's very funny and very, like, incredibly creepy and great. McGann is celebrating it, and as is, it's like a murder mystery, um, ghost story that has a lot of unexpected twists and turns. That yeah. is just, it's so, it's like so atmospheric as well. I think I'll I'll mention this in the future. I can see in the future that the only one I've listened to is the one where he meets Orson Welles during the War of the Worlds broadcast. Uh, which is one I really liked. But I'm mm. definitely going to listen to Jubilee. I love the fact that they put these on Spotify. Look, um, if there's anyone who works with Doctor Who listening to me or the BBC, I'm just going to give you this idea. And I trust me on this. You're going to make so much money on this idea. All right? 
take classic Doctor Who episodes and edit them into like 40, 30 minute episodes, put them on YouTube, you will make gangbusters because you, somebody will watch that and they'll be like, wow, that was good. And then you'll be like, here's the Blu-ray. People will want to buy it. Trust me on this. BBC, trust me on this. Um, in an, another case of us predicting stuff that has happened already, there what? are there. There's at least one McCoy that's on in like it's like all three episodes put down to like one twenty. I think it's like twenty five minute episode. That's genius. Uploaded to yeah, but it also kind of it, I watched it because it's 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 Ghostlight, which was one of my favorite um one of my favorite classic stories, and it's kind of incomprehensible because Ghostlight's completely incomprehensible <laughs> as well. So it's it's just right. like. It's like if you took um, Tenet and you took out like half the scenes where they talk about what what inversion is and gave it to someone to watch. So it's, it's already it's already incomprehensible, uh, and it yeah. becomes more incomprehensible. Yeah, because <laughs> they, they took out because they would go. This is getting ahead of uh, the Patreon in <laughs> in uh, four years time. Um, but they took. They had like four. It goes out to like three twenty-minute episodes, and there's an entire other episode they didn't shoot or something. So none of it makes sense. But it's it's good vibes. Um, Dalek. Uh, Dalek. I like when that guy's like, "What are you going to do? Suck me to death?" And he gets sucked to death, and he looks like a fool. Well, he asked for it. <laughs> <laughs> he literally said, "What are you going to do?" He asked for it. Um, did you know that the original? name for what the original Henry Van Staten name was. What the original character name was. What was? What was it? Will Fences. Because Will because of Bill Gates. <laughs> Jesus Christ. What a dumb fucking show. You know, honestly, if they did that, I would have, you know, I would get gone on the plane to Britain. I would have gone up to Robert Sheeran's house and I would knock on his door. He would have opened it and I'd be like, are you, sir, are you the one who wrote Dolly? Like, yeah, yes. Like you, the one who wrote the character of Will Fences. Y- yes, I'll hold out my hand and say, "You bastard!" and just <laughs> shake his hand. You know, <laughs> buy him dinner. What an insane show! But yes, what are we gonna say? Oh, just I'm flicking through this issue of Doctor Who magazine. Uh, in an interview with Radio Times, Sherman said his script was partially inspired by Silence of the Lambs, which... Uh, yeah, I can tell. Yeah. You can tell. <laughs> you can tell, definitely. Wait, uh, keep talking. I'm going to record something. Okay. Uh, what else can we find here? Um, any other interesting facts? Uh, Nigel Whitney played Simmons. He was also in Casualty as Dan Wilder. And the deep as low, which is fun. If you're if you're called low and you're in the deep, you've recorded your. Yeah, yeah. Here it is. I ate his liver with some Chianti and a can of fava beans. <laughs> uh, what a great app! I'm gonna use this so much. <laughs> I'm gonna use this so much. Right. Oh. There's one thing I want to say before we go into the Targets Wiki game, uh, unless you have. Some more to say, which is, I was thinking a lot about that opening scene, you know, where they have a sleeve-in arm, but they also have like an old Cyberman head. And I was thinking a lot about the thing I mentioned 
about how this episode is sort of an introduction to the Dalek. But something that's really smart about it is that they could have just done, like, they could have somehow fudged up the Doctor so that he doesn't know what a Dalek is or whatever, or have him interact with the character. Like, I, I read that originally the Robert Truman didn't want to even say the word Dalek. Like, he, he wanted to call it a different name. He wanted to call it, like, uh, what was the name he wanted to use for the script? Was, um, all right, yeah. So... Robert Sherman's difficulty in adapting Jubilee to the television hinged the part of the fact that Jubilee was based around the problem of overfamiliarity with the Daleks, whereas Dalek is about introducing them fresh. Sherman took this to extremes, attempting to get through the entire episode without naming the Daleks and wanting to call it the creature of lies. Russell T. Davies was impressed with this approach, and then earlier drafts also focused too much on a sporting cast, and then they changed it to focus more on the Dalek. So as I was saying, like, you could definitely see a version of this where they're trying to reintroduce the Daleks and they kind of make it more about the Daleks as opposed to the relationship the new audience is going to have with the Daleks. Which is how, which is, they do it through having everyone voice the jokes that everyone has made about the Daleks, but they also do it through Rose, you know, because Rose represents the modern audience who's been taught by Buffy the Vampire Slayer, by modern TV shows, that the bad guys are not always bad guys. So when the doctor comes in and he's like, Daleks, they're bad, it's very logical that any someone in the audience might go, why do you think they're bad? It's like, maybe they are capable of feeling. And that's why I think that whole plotline with Rose and the, da- and the Dalek being confused about the fact that it's feeling things, that to me is the most genius part of the episode because that works to not only reintroduce the Daleks, recontextualize the Daleks, but also re-energize the Daleks for the future of the show. Definitely. I want to say as well, Creature of Lies is an absolutely terrible title, and Russell was right, because that is... A bad title? Absolute, that is absolute horseshit in terms of titles. Um, yeah. Uh, one, more, one more word for me on this, and then we can play the game, which is that... Uh, where is it now? Nigel Whitney also played Conrad Walker in Where the Heart Is. I want to get out of the way as well because uh, he's uh, his other credits on here as well. Okay, Tardis Wiki mm-hmm. game. As I drink my Commerce Spring Grand Water. Mm-hmm. Other waters are available, but none of them quench as good as Commerce Spring. Ooh, so, um, oh, I should get, if I had the Dalek app, I could have done some Dalek voice. Uh, this is the Doctor Who wiki game. Mm-hmm. Uh, every week, one of us goes onto the wiki and picks up a real-life person, place, or thing. They get the other person to guess what it is based on clues from the wiki. Mm-hmm. This week, it is a website, which the sixth Doctor used. Um... Adric recalled the fifth doctor describing his website as a computer program that was banned in the 21st century because it turned humans into mindless, communicative zombies. No, uh, I can't see any more clues because the rest are too obvious. Um, literally, if I say anything else, it's going to be... Microsoft Office? Vividly. No. Clippy? No, it's nothing to do with, with Will Fences. It's to do, it's to do with... Um, it is a popular website, which... The Sixth Doctor used it. It's he had 
profile pictures of Twitter himself. No, but Facebook. Facebook. Um, six okay. Doctor used Facebook and had profile pictures of uh, himself, the Fourth Doctor, and the Fifth Doctor. For some reason, who knows? Funny. It's a, a funny joke that I'm sure will age very well. Um. All right. So, can I use? Can I? Can I do one too? Yes, please do. I would love it. This is a TV show. By the year two thousand and six hundred, it was in its seven hundred ninety second season. Clue number two. Rose Tyler referenced the show while fighting a Mento Dean. Clue number three. Rory Williams referenced the show when the doctor mentioned a creature often featured in this show. Clue hmm. number four. Hold on. Clue number four. There's a character called Norman Bean. I don't know where it's from, but he was said to be wearing a T-shirt that was a reference to the series. The reference being the name of the series with one letter change. Is it okay? You see, I consider Mr. Bean, but I realize that Mr. Bean. Would God, not that would have been so good. I should have picked <laughs> Mr. Bean, shouldn't I? <laughs> um, who? Teletubby, SpongeBob, Square. Pants. I'm gonna give you another clue. Yeah. In class, or not class? Hold on. Yeah. In the TV show Class, which we will cover in 2052, one of the characters compared a Terran space and time, which had appeared within Coal Hill Academy, to a similar plot device from this series. Okay, um, I've probably seen an episode of Class and I could not tell you anything, but I remember what the things looked like. And Okay, oh. one, 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 last series, one last clue? Yeah. In promotional material prior to the release of the series, Class was advertised by Stephen Moffat as oh. British this. Is it? It's not Buffy, is it? Yes, it is. Oh, it's Buffy. Hmm. The show we mentioned in this very episode. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say... God. Yeah, it, it's it's. I haven't seen I've, I haven't seen any of Buffy, and I probably won't now, considering what happened. But it, class is nowhere near Buffy. I'm sorry. That's really. Yeah, you think class so? Is, yeah, <laughs> class is more like. Um, oh, I don't know. Class is more like. Well, class isn't good, but that's nothing to do with what I'm talking about now. Cla- I don't know. Class is just a bit weird. There's. Come it's on, give, not, give me a good it, comparison. Come on. Class is more like if someone made a serious episode of community with like, like, a, like not like a like a joke community, but like an actual like if community was like a, a drama um or Hollyoaks or one of these kind of soaps where it's like if 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 One Tree Hill was a sci-fi show set in a school. Mm. That's and, that's an interesting yeah. comparison. I won't I won't spoil what happens in episode one because I think if you don't know what happens in episode one and we watch it, I think you'll have a good time. Well, uh, listeners can look forward to that in twenty sixty seven. 
2079, I think, at this point. Um, Watch it be like 2022 or something. Because I'm thinking we're going to go through each season in what? 13 Uh, weeks? 10 weeks for this one. And then, well, 11 because we're going to have a wrap up. And then. What what uh, are you talking about? There's more than 10 episodes. We're we're combining two parts into one. Oh, right. Of course. Oh, sorry. So you have, yeah. Like last week. When we we did a very good, very good episode on uh, Slovene. Uh, yes, Slovene. I'm, uh, I'm so excited about this episode. And yeah. in fact, I'm going to give a punchline to a joke I set up in that episode. Oh, I remember, oh, I remember you saying that joke. It was a really good. I was yeah. really interested to hear what you're going to say about that joke. Uh, hold on a second. Oh, my God. How am I setting myself <laughs> up for this? <laughs> Okay. To get to the other side. <laughs> I oh. hate this. Oh. Well, uh, thank you, Michelle, from the past for setting up that joke. <laughs> now the listeners have have listened to it. That, is, that is, there, is there is there a more Doctor Who f- concept than us telling the punchline to a joke? And before we, we before we recorded, recorded the, the setup, yeah. <laughs> Uh, speaking of uh, recording jokes, uh, knock knock. Who's there? Uh, plugs. Uh, so thank you, and of course you can always hear you talk about more TV yes. shows in order in another in another show, which which also includes a Metal Tron, but a different kind of Metal Tron in a way. I suppose. Dude, wait, that is a good idea. Alphonse would be a good... Okay, if you want to listen to me talk about TV shows, check out Full Metal Analyst, where I talk about Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood in detail. Uh, it's not just me, so don't worry about it. I also have my own David. Two of them, in fact. Uh, you can find that at Full Metal Analyst. Just search for it on wherever you get your podcast. But you can also follow me on Twitter at Michelle Lichand, M-I-C-H-E-L-L-I-C-H-A-N, as in Navy D. And you can follow me for Hot Takes. Which I occasionally deliver. And um, I'm putting the gauntlet down now. 2022, I will be on an episode of Football Analysts talking about my new favorite show that I've seen zero minutes of. Okay, and now we have to make that happen? <laughs> <laughs> I'll cut that out, I'll cut that out. <laughs> no, no, keep it, keep it. I actually want to make that happen. <laughs> <laughs> we got to do a crossover. we got to get... Uh, we gotta get people from Film and Alice on an episode of Potter Who Cast, and <laughs> none of them have watched that. <laughs> it's listen, gonna be interesting listen, trying to get them to watch. Yeah, get Nick Briggs on as well for both. Um, but thank you for listening. Hello, Film and Alchemist. Um, Hello, Nurik. <laughs> bit of a problem. <laughs> what uh, a monkey's paw for- would be if the BBC <laughs> announced we're having a Doctor Who crossover with Metal Alchemist. Unfortunately. It's or Nick unfortunately, Briggs. it's only Nick Briggs voicing <laughs> both characters. <laughs> uh, uh, sorry, Nick. For... I'm sorry, Nick. We love you, Nick. We love you. Uh, yeah, you're Could a you great guy, us... Nick. Uh, speaking of big finish, if you want to give us free stuff, Nick, we wouldn't we wouldn't say no. You know, we would say talk... hello. We say hello. Yes. <laughs> um. Anyway, 
Thank you for listening. You can find us on Spotify and iTunes and probably Google Play, I think. Um, I'll check later on. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Potter Whocast and leave us a review on all your podcast streaming services and be nice to us because <laughs> uh, you're going to hear an episode next week that's going to blow your blow your mind and possibly your eardrums can be <laughs> depending on how, on how that ends up. Um, that's mostly because I'm I play audio. Something. I'm going to record something. Ra- wrap okay. it up. Yeah, that's mostly because I play audio very loud. Bottom of it. Uh, next time we have zombies, the news, and Simon Pegg's frosted tips. So, as always, thank you. And remember, Henry van Staten owns the internet. What did you so say? I've wrapped up. It's you can. Okay. Don't forget to subscribe, and if you don't leave us a review, you will be exterminated. It's a bit harsh. Um. <laughs> That's it anyway. Roll, lock the gates. Mark Marone. <laughs>